Hey everyone, you're listening to Star Scavengers, a Lego Star Wars podcast with a focus on the Freemaker Adventures. I am one of your hosts, Jonah Marie Macias, and here with me is my co-host, Aaron Goins. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. We're on the countdown to The Last Jedi, and as of recording this, we are like just over a week away. Oh, man. So it's like that like excitement phase where it's kind of like nervous about the movie and nervous about you know what's spoilers yes try not to get spoiled and and then just like i can't believe this is actually happening you know that kind of thing so that's that's pretty much me right now i know and you know i wasn't feeling it for a little while i i like sometimes i i go through a roller coaster where i'm super high i'm like yeah i'm so excited and then i come back right back down and i think i you know what it's whatever (laughs) but i'm I'm really at the top right now and i'm super excited to watch the next sequel the sequel to the force awakens so i'm excited so are you like the type of fan that at a certain point you just stop getting on twitter and you don't watch the tv spots or anything like or have you like gone in blackout mode or are you still like intaking stuff no, I still take in stuff. I okay. wasn't for for the Force Awakens. I was more of like, I don't want to. I'm gonna mute you. I'm gonna mute you because I know you're gonna talk about it. But that was pretty much for the Force Awakens because it was like the first Star Wars we were getting, and I didn't. I really didn't want to spoil my my uh, view of it or anything going in. So I this time around, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just another Star Wars movie, so I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah. What about you? No, I'm kind of, I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I completely ignore everything and I don't want any more information. And then something will pop up and then I just read the whole thing. Like, I just, (laughs) it's like I can't help myself. Like, you know, like interview with Andy Serkis where he reveals something. I'm like, I have to know what he said, you know, even though I don't really want to know what he says because I still want to be surprised. So, but for the most part, and I don't think there's any big spoilers out there anyways. Like, I feel yeah. like they've actually kept things pretty well under wraps. So there's like a lot of speculation and theories, you know, and, and people kind of like taking something an actor said and spinning it into something that's probably not. Um, so I'm kind of trying to avoid all the speculation more than I'm avoiding actual spoilers because I just don't think they're really out there. Uh, so but I, I do want to just go into this movie very open minded because it's like the second movie of the trilogy i feel like the first movie i was very just like blank slate like give me whatever you give me but this movie i'm a little bit more like okay luke skywalker is going to be a big part of it and i love that character and i hope they portray him a certain way and so i'm like that's (laughs) i start to get into that kind of nervous mode where i'm like i really really want to like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know a lot of fans are in that mode of thought right now but I, yeah i'm just the one that's like yeah whatever I'll, I'll i'll watch it and you know i'll judge then but i'm, I'm super excited now just because every I can, I can really feel the excitement in the fan community yeah i mean if ezra bridger and kanan were in the oh! movie, then you would you'd be a little <laughs> bit more involved <laughs> yeah because it's star wars animation that's my kind of thing right there <laughs> it's really funny when you know when something the last jedi related drops uh you you could see the social media just going crazy over it whereas i'm just like oh yeah i guess i'll I'll click on it later 
Um, but when it's Star Wars Rebels related, I am on that. Like, I will drop if I'm talking to someone. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I really have to do something else at the moment. So I'll, I'll be right back and, <laughs> and I'll just go to my computer and watch whatever it is or read whatever it is that's pertaining to Star Wars Rebels. That's just that's what the Star Wars that I, I love most and the Star Wars that I enjoy. So when the the Last Jedi trailer drops, you're like, yeah, I'll get to that tomorrow. But a new like Ezra Bridger fan uh, drawing comes out, and you're like, drop everything. What's... I need that. Yeah. I need to retweet this and write a blog about it. Uh... <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we actually have a really cool treat in this episode. It's kind of like a holiday gift to our listeners. It is for that time of year. But um, we wanted to do one more interview with Bill and Bob after season two of Freemaker Adve- Adventures ended. I know the season ended kind of a while ago, but we, you know, just trying to get our schedules together and get their schedules together, we finally got the chance to sit down with them and do an interview um, and talk all about season two. So we we do have that coming up in this episode, but before we before we play that audio... We just wanted to talk really quick about uh, some really awesome Lego builds that you've gotten. I'm like, you just told me this right right pre-show, and I'm super excited to hear you talk about it because it's amazing that you finally got these sets. And I have a, a set I want to talk about as well that I got um, over Thanksgiving that I loved building. I, I really want to share with the listeners. So I want you to go first, though. What did you finally get? I finally got the ghosts and the first phantom lego sets like the the ones that they initially released and that was pricey aaron i bet <laughs> i bet it was so you got that like on the secondary market right they don't still I sell did. these sets no they do not because it's no longer in production so i got it off of ebay and uh it was a two-in-one so before they used to sell them you know just the ghost and the the, the phantom separately but this one uh it came in a special box apparently at one point during the production they had combined both sets so that you can buy both in one box so it was it was called a two-in-one box and i thought man i don't think this is sketchy so i'm gonna go for it <laughs> And I did, and I got it, and I opened up the box, and it was actually, I thought for some reason it would come combined, like there'd be like bags one through ten or something, but it was actually just a big box, and within those two, within that box was just the two Lego sets in their own individual boxes. So it was a nice treat, because then I thought, man, yeah, I have the the uh the original boxes too so (laughs) uh and oh man it was so much fun to put together the the ghost was definitely the thing that i did uh i actually did the phantom first because i wanted to really savor the 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 ghost building part and uh it was a lot of fun there was one piece actually though and I, i was it was killing me because i thought why don't I have this piece? But it, it, I think I had the wrong, like they 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 had a certain amount of I forget, I don't even know what it's called, but there was a specific piece, and I only, I had an extra one of those, but I didn't have the actual piece that I needed for the the top of the the ghost, and so unfortunately it looks uh, wrong because it's obviously the wrong piece. So I need to look at the back of the booklet and see if I can get the the correct piece. Because by the end of it, after all the bags are done, 
I just did not have that one piece that I needed. I just had the the repeat of the wrong piece. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? I wonder, because so, sometimes the shade, the color shades can be a little tricky in those books. Yeah. And I almost wonder if you put the wrong color somewhere, somewhere earlier. Else? Yeah. And it kind of got built <laughs> into the ship. And then when you needed it later, it was gone. I, I that's what I thought too, and now I'm just like, oh, I don't want to undo it just to get to that one apart. piece. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, who knows? Maybe I'll I'll order it and and whatnot, and just heard, use that one. There. I think Lego's really good about that. If you if you contact their customer service and and uh, let them know that you're missing a piece, I think they're really good about sending those pretty quickly. So gotcha. Yeah. So I'll do that because I I keep looking at it. And I'm like, you're not supposed to be there. <laughs> But it's such a beautiful set, and I love that the Phantom, you can just put it on top of the of the ghost, like how it should be, in as you see it on the show. And uh, I can't wait to get the Phantom 2, which is a set that you have, so I definitely have to get my hands on that one. Yeah, the Phantom 2 it was a great build um, and some awesome minifigs. But you, the Phantom 1 comes with, if I remember correctly, uh, longer hair Ezra. Yes. <laughs> and Chopper, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I did have that set at one point, but lost many parts of it because of a child of mine. Um, <laughs> who shall be, who shall remain yeah. unnamed. Yeah, I will not, yeah, Quinn will remain unnamed. But, <laughs> the, <laughs> but I never found the Chopper like he did. He lost Chopper and I, I never found him. But I did when I got, got the Phantom 2. Then I got Chopper from that set, so I do have a Chopper minifig now, but my original one is still missing. Maybe he'll show up some at some point. Um, but yeah, that's so cool. And then you got the Ghost as well, which means you got like everybody, right? The minifigs? I did. That's right. I got Kanan, uh, Zeb, and Hera. And I think there was a Stormtrooper. I honestly don't remember Sabine now that I think about it. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't remember. I did it all in one, like one shot, one straight shot. So it's all a, a blur, really. Uh, but yeah, that was like I said, it was a lot of fun. And of course, I was playing Star Wars Rebels episodes in the background, just like a kid. That's awesome. <laughs> the the ghost build is pretty big too. Like I, my, I have a buddy at work that actually has it on his desk, so I pass by it every day. Um, but. It's it's a pretty a pretty hefty build. So do you remember about how many pieces that was? Oh no, I no. don't remember. <laughs> but it was definitely more than a hundred or so. I okay. want to say. Yeah, yeah, I know that's a, a and that's a really cool ship. That's the one that I, every time I see it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's I shouldn't have I shouldn't have waited. I should have gotten that. I don't know if I can do the eBay thing though. That's a it's a little pricey. Yeah, you definitely have to save up for it. Yeah. <laughs> And I had my eyes on it, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) Before I change my mind, nobody talked me out of this. (laughs) And and then what about you? What build did you get? So over the the Thanksgiving uh, holiday, I was visiting family, my wife's family in in Tennessee. And I was kind of, you know, sitting in their house, and they have a ton of kids, and we have a couple kids, and, and I just needed an escape. You know, um, and so I was like, I'm going to go to I'm just going to go to the local Target and buy, <laughs> buy myself a big Lego set. You know, that's what better escape. Um, so I went there, I actually brought my son with me and and I was basically kind of just like, you know, I'm willing to drop some money on this. Like, I, I don't care if it's it's a lot of money. I just want to buy kind of a bigger set to build. So I went and it kind of came down to 
I was either going to buy BB-8, the like the full-size BB-8 that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the Millennium Falcon on sale, but not the like big, you know, eight hundred dollar one. The the one that is just the Force Awakens one. Right. Um, they had that one actually on sale, and then they had the like the pirate ship from the Ninjago movie, which is not Star Wars related at all, but it's an awesome Lego set. <laughs> <laughs> but that one is like two hundred and thirty dollars, and so I was just like, I was kind of like at the point where I just wanted to buy like a really big set, and so I was like, all right. Quinn, which one do you want? I was going to let Quinn pick out of the three. And he, of course, picks the biggest, baddest set, which is the big pirate ship. Of um, course. And says, that's what I want, Dad. <laughs> and so I'm like, pick it up. I'm thinking about, I'm walking towards the register. And then I start realizing I have like a 12-hour a drive back home. How am I going to transport this like very intricate pirate ship <laughs> like without having to <laughs> rebuild it? Um, and so ultimately, BB-8 was the perfect set to buy because he's a very compact you know little thing that once i build him i can just kind of he he would travel pretty easily so it kind of uh, by default ended up being the bb8 set which i wasn't like super excited about when i saw but i was kind of like oh it's pretty cool looking um and then i started building it and man that is such a cool set like way better than i expected and um it just the the way that they designed it the the inside of BB-8 there's a lot of like gears and and things like that and they design it in a way where his his head actually moves in the same way that BB-8's head moves that's awesome and they have a panel on the side that you kind of spin and his head spins and kind of bobs because they they design it in a way where there's almost like a pendulum type thing that kind of goes down the middle with a rubber band around it uh-huh and so like it's this really genius design that really blew me away um, and then they also do the whole like lighter thumbs up thing that comes out the front. Um, so if you <laughs> spin the so other sweet. panel on the other side, that happens. So like, yeah, it was, it really blew me away. So I was happy that kind of just by circumstance, I ended up buying that set. Um, but being really thrilled with it, with the build. And, um, I did put it on Twitter. I, I actually did a time lapse of the entire build. So if anybody's interested in scrolling back through my, uh, timeline to find that but uh yeah it was really cool really awesome set so yeah wow no nothing fancy for the ghosts <laughs> nothing cool like that <laughs> hey the ghost is the ghost you don't need anything fancy that's just a that's true. awesome ship i mean it's got to be I, it's probably like one of your if not your favorite ship in all of star wars it's in my probably top three Oh, yeah. It's definitely my favorite. Just because it's organized, it can do what it needs to do. It's not like the Millennium Falcon <laughs> because that breaks down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you got Hera running that ship. She's not going to let of it break course. down. Of course. No, no. Oh, so, yeah, I, I love the ghost for that reason. And, of course, the design itself. I know when, um, when we'll get to the interview later, you'll hear about the design of the arrowhead and how it was originally a diamond shaped or something like that. And I immediately thought, I thought back to the ghost and the fact that it itself is a diamond shape ship. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Rebels. I know you're a big fan of star Wars rebels. I am too, but man, the more I think about it, the, some of my favorite things about star Wars have come from that series. Yeah. Um, including the characters. Like I think somebody had put on Twitter, the other day, like name your five favorite new canon characters. So mm -hmm. like only characters from the new canon, but it couldn't be movie characters. And all five of my f 
characters would be from Rebels. Like, you know, as much as I love the novels and comics and all the, the other characters that have been introduced, really the ones that have stood out to me are the ones in Rebels. Yeah. Um, like yeah. that whole crew is just amazing. It's funny because I I had answered that tweet as well. And of course, I, I without I didn't really read it correctly as normally as usual. I usually just skim through it and then I answer it. And of course, the, the answers that I put down aren't they're not new characters. <laughs> I'm like, OK, I got to delete this tweet and start over again. And then I ended up putting Rowan and Cordy in there. And then someone says, well, they're not canon. And I'm like, dang, I, I didn't read the tweet again. <laughs> Um, but then I responded and I said, well, they're canon to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. And I mean, you should have said they're not canon yet. Exactly. You know, because oh, that, yeah, yeah. that, uh, we, there's always that possibility, um, of that course. I'm definitely crossing my fingers for we, um, and I think that there, I think there's a good chance actually that we may see some, some elements, if not characters from that show kind of slip into canon here and there because as many reference guides as they're writing and, and just all the material that gets written for star Wars, these authors like to pull from other sources. And so why not, why not have some free makers running around the galaxy? Exactly. Yeah. And it's supposed to be fun, you know, fun storytelling. So why not? <laughs> well, we do have this interview. Um, so I think we're about ready to, to play it. You, you ready to roll? I'm ready. All right. So we'll play that right now. So we are here with the creators of the Freemaker Adventures. We're talking to them now for the third time, at least officially on the podcast. Um, and we wanted to do this interview, me and Jonah, uh, to kind of touch base after the, uh, the finale of season two of Freemaker Adventures. So we are here with Bill Motts and Bob Roth. What's up, guys? Hello, Hello. and thank you for having us back. We're, we're very excited to talk about the show. We hate to play favorites, but you guys are our favorites. Yes, so. and, and also don't tell us what happens in the last episode of our show because we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we haven't caught up. We're binging this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> oh. a little behind. I think we just got to the part where Rowan has a, a kyber saber, I think, something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. We'll leave that question out then. <laughs> <laughs> the last time we talked to you guys was actually at, or at least... In, well, I will say the last time I talked to you guys, I think you guys had like a secret meetup with Jonah that I wasn't invited to. That was Comic-Con. The last time we talked all together was Star Wars Celebration. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then I had the opportunity to meet up with Bob and Bill and even Michael Kramer, the composer of the show at San Diego Comic-Con. And I so had to rub it in your face, Aaron. <laughs> That's, that's I know. Annie nominated Michael Kramer. Yes, yes. Once again, Annie nominated Michael Kramer. This is correct. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. We have a ton of questions, a ton of burning questions, some uh, very serious and some not so serious. But I'm going to let Jonah start things off. So, Jonah, you pick whatever you want off the list. Okay. Sounds great. So, I'll, I'll start from the top. And so. One of you had tweeted that the shape of the lamp in a hotel that you had stayed in had inspired the look and the design of the wheel. So we were interested to know what other everyday objects had inspired you to create the look and design for something in the uh, something else in the show. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting that's a great question. That's a really good question. I think we tweeted about that one because it was such an out of the ordinary experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I will, you know, I mean, we we could talk a little bit about the Arrowhead, for example. Sure. I mean, that one we at least were. <laughs> in fact, I was just looking at some some old pictures of the when we were in uh, conversation with actually the whole story group about what that ship could be like, and Jake Blaze from Lego started making some sketches, and mm-hmm. uh, so we talked a little bit about we we kind of thought it might have a diamond shape, and and Jake's original sketch was very diamondy uh, looking. And we were talking about actually uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, the Nautilus submarine, how its function was to ram ships and cause them to sink. And we kind of thought it was cool that what if the ship was the weapon and it had sort of this blade in the front that was sort of like the Kyber saber, right? And it could cut. But you know, it was kind of fun to watch it kind of go from this sort of is it a diamond? Is it it's sort of shaped like an arrow, an arrowhead? And then, of course, Doug Chang's group came in with their... When we sort of gave our madman ramblings. And I think a photograph of the picture that Jake drew to uh, to Doug's group and... Uh, I think Ryan Church did the final Yeah, design, I think he did. And so suddenly they said, they said this thing. It said, uh, something like this. And it was that uh, <laughs> that photograph that we showed at celebration actually went uh yeah yeah a lot like that exactly <laughs> pretty much exactly like that so but yeah it was kind of funny i mean actually with the uh the wheel with the lamp um it was actually a combination uh, a bit of that lamp and also uh the airport in billund denmark we were mm-hmm. uh waiting to catch a flight out of there uh from lego headquarters down to copenhagen to, yeah or where, where over or wherever but it uh and there was a way that that concourse is built that sort of had the curve and swoop and uh, that we kind of thought, well, it'd be like that. And so Jake, again, being a brilliant artist uh, with, what, 9% of his yeah, battery 9%, power. <laughs> 9% battery on his laptop. Whipped out his laptop. And, and started doing a CAD programming, doing a real quick sort of quick build. And we're like, yeah, 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 something like that, something like that. And so then that night when we got to Copenhagen to the hotel uh, and we were hanging out in the lobby... Perhaps having a beverage, perhaps, uh, at the hotel bar. <laughs> and uh, and then I looked over at that lamp and went, it's like that, like that. <laughs> and we sort of dissected it as to the different rings and how its overall shape would be. And so, yeah, anyway, I think it's an Arnie Jakobsen design in the lamp. So, And I remember, I remember also seeing a tweet of a plate that you guys had used two bowls to... Um, mimic the effect of the Jedi Temple. Yeah, I have that right here. I keep that very proudly in my office. Yeah, we uh, we, we were having, uh, you know, it, a picture is worth a thousand words, obviously. Old cliche. Um, and we were having a hard time trying to communicate exactly how that chamber was supposed to work in that episode, The Pit and the Pinnacle. Uh, and Bill had the idea. He came in, came in that one morning with... <laughs> two paper plates cut apart he's like it's like this right and i was like yes <laughs> so we made a little quick time video and shot that off to denmark so and uh, they're like oh okay now we get it because yeah, so. <laughs> it was the idea of how the room would turn and one door would you know get closed one while close, another would open yeah, so and yeah. make the pattern on the floor and all you know all the writing on the wall and stuff like that so yeah so a couple of paper plates and some you know i mean so there you go for all all the kids out there who are making their projects when they're, you know, in middle uh, mm-hmm. middle school, grade school, um, you know, those skills come back. I just want to say. I remember say. seeing uh, some Raiders of the Lost Ark documentary where uh, Spielberg was working out the chase <laughs> with a bunch of matchbox cars. And, you know, 
technology has changed and we're still doing yeah. the same old same old tricks yeah because so. <laughs> you know <laughs> if it works well speaking of the wheel actually i was reading the book that just came out uh called the rebel files mm-hmm. and i was going through it in real and noticed that when they had a couple different parts where there was the galaxy map they actually located the wheel in the galaxy map and had a mention of it in oh, that, that awesome. canon resource so really i didn't know that makes that. me happy that's kind of fun that's Yay. great yeah so i saw that of course the first thing i thought of when i saw it was freebaker adventures mm-hmm. so yeah, well, if you it's, if you search it's trickling into canon, yeah, search the Yelp review on uh, the wheel, and the FreeMaker comes up. Um, pretty moderate reviews, but two and a half stars. Two and a half. It's not bad, but could be better. <laughs> so having uh, you guys build a lot of the sets, I know mm-hmm. Lego is because you guys are not only creating Lego animation, but you're also enthusiasts about collecting Lego. Um, do you have, out of all the sets that are based on Freemaker Adventures, do you have a favorite build? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have to say I love the Arrowhead. I thought that was really fun. Uh, I loved the, the way that the blade flipped forward. I liked how the crystals held in that sort of bubble. I thought that was a creative solve um, to a, how do, you, how do you have something floating kind of in midair? Um, so I thought that was really, really fun. I, I can't, I, I go through phases with each one. I, I love, I love the arrowhead cause it's just straight up cool. Um, but I don't know that it's cooler than the tracker one. Sometimes I look at that and that is just a scary looking ship and it, it yeah. totally suits what MOC was. Uh, and then, you know, I gotta say <laughs> just a sentimental favorite is the star scavenger because it's the hero ship and in that set you get everybody. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. I think about that first time we saw the uh, um, the Eclipse Fighter, and it was just perfect. Like that, we had almost—I don't think we had any notes on, on the Eclipse, Eclipse Fighter, Fighter yeah. and it was just such a beautiful little ship, perfectly realized the very first. Well, time I still we saw think it. it's really cool how when the when the wings fold mm-hmm. back, the engines stay parallel. Right. Yeah. I, I just—it's a simple little physics engineering. So I, I've completely did, dodged the question. Elegant. I refuse. I refuse to pick a favorite. Although it probably it probably would be uh, Grabala's uh, <laughs> uh, Rancor's fist if they ever made one. Yeah, I'd probably. I would love to have a fist. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. I think Aaron, you had mentioned that that they would it would be awesome to have a set of that. Yeah, I think I pretty much just mentioned everything in the show would be awesome as a set or a minifig <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I would yeah. settle for just a Grabala himself. If some fan out there wants to endear themselves to me. Make me a Grabala and send it. Oh. <laughs> I know that's probably inappropriate across some ethical yeah, line. Yeah, but... Tracy's already on the horn. Like, well, that's it. Bob, Bob crossed it. Anyway. It's worth it to get a Grabala. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I have to get on that <laughs> with my craft skills. <laughs> so early on in season two, um, Corey suggested to uh, Rowan and Roger that they should go to Allison Noor for inspiration. And, you know, what we end up discovering there is this awesome city built by the Force Builders. And I really want to know how that idea came about because that was just stunning. Well, that's that's an interesting question. And, boy, that, that was a really, really difficult script to, to get right. Um, and 
Uh, all credit and patience goes to John Banky. Man, he pulled a, a bunch of hard ones this season. Um, but uh, the um, <laughs> I, I when we when we broke our stories in the writers' room in our breaking sessions, it was a completely different story. Um, it was about the Freemakers finding um, an old abandoned sort of. Uh, Flying Dutchman ship, remember that? Oh, wow, I forgot about that. And John actually wrote an outline on that, and then Carrie Beck uh, um, threw the brakes on and said, this is the wrong story to be telling. Um, <laughs> turns out she was coming down with the flu during our, our breaking session, <laughs> so, so she was somewhere deep in her heart. She knew it was the wrong story, but she couldn't muster the energy to raise her hand and say, no, guys, we're going down the wrong path. Um, so we had to re-break the entire story, and I think the idea of finding a, I, boy, finding the idea, the idea of a lost city, I don't remember exactly where that came from. It may have come from Carrie herself. I think it did, because yeah. I think, because what, in the, in the Flying Dutchman version, um, the idea was it was a very ancient ship mm, right. that had been built by these force builders, and, and she was saying, well, I think it would be cool to have a whole city. Mm-hmm. And and that you see essentially a world that the people who follow this or in this order um, what they would have built. So it it, it 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 that one went went through a lot of um, contortions to get to where it finally wound up uh, more more than usual. Uh, so yeah, it, I, I will say I love the way the final product is, and I I think uh, it it's it's an amazing moment when when Rowan realizes what what he's standing in the middle of. Um, and uh, also credit to Will Film. I know when they went from, wait a minute, we're not doing the abandoned spaceship, we're doing an abandoned city. Guys, you realize that's a whole different scale. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going there. And, and not only that, but he's going to have a vision where parts of the city rise up in his head and build. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that too. So, yeah, it... Um... <laughs> It all, and they, they came through with flying colors yeah, again, right. Will Film. Yeah. Hats off to them. Yeah, I mean, they're great, but, you know, a, a heavy sigh uh, doesn't need any translation. Right. So just, <laughs> it was kind of like. International language. <sighs> but anyway, no, they did it, and they did it great. And, it, and they did it, and they so did it great. And I, I also have to say, we had plans to go back to Alston Noor at one point. Um, another story that, again, was a John Banky episode that went through a lot of contortions. We're like, don't worry, all this expense on the second episode, it's all going to pay off later, and we'll be able to, you know, make it make it worthwhile. And then the uh, plans to go back to Alston It turned out we lied. <laughs> so. <laughs> we lied. Not intentionally, but nevertheless. <laughs> so. Again, our friends at Will Film. They, they, they put up with a lot, and yes. they did a beautiful, beautiful job. So we got to meet Cordy, Xander, Rowan, Freemaker, um, and learn a lot about their story. But we never got to meet their parents or even really hear them talk about their parents. Did you guys ever have a story, uh, kind of a backstory for who they were or, you know, where where they are? Yeah, uh, we've we'll, had... we'll say yes, and that's all we can say on that. Oh no! <laughs> All right, <laughs> we gotta dodge right under that question. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. It's perfectly fine. I just I want you guys to just answer the rest of them. So that was okay. You can you can let go of that one. <laughs> get one pass. Get one pass. 
and so we know that uh, John Ratzenberger came back for the role of Major Derlin. So how did that opportunity come about? So in the in the early breaks of that story, um, we just had a generic rebel spy. It was just you know we were going to create somebody new, uh, and it was Leland Shi who said, you know, we could use Durlin, and I immediately knew who Durlin was, and everybody else in the room went, Durlin, we, went, we both went, John Ratzenberger, can we, we can get John Ratzenberger? Uh, and, you know, we, we suspected he would be game to do it, and, and you know, it, it was fun to have somebody who was in the original trilogy and had never played that role anywhere else again, again since... <laughs> Come back and reprise the role, and uh, and he was just he was great. And, to work and with. who is of course you know a, a, a beautiful voice actor. I mean, right. he's been in all the Pixar films pretty much. Right. And so you know he. Uh, so we thought, well, can we can we make this happen? That would be really fun. So the uh, casting department investigated, and he was game for it. So we went perfect. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, it, it was just great. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a big Cheers fan. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Star Wars fan too, but um, you know, I got to ask him. Yeah, you know, the the funny thing about John Ratzenberger and I'd had this theory, and it, it was it was so great to finally confirm it. Not only is he in The Empire Strikes Back, he's in Superman the movie, the 1978 movie, and Superman two in a slightly different role. Uh, and I uh, all I could put together is all three of those movies were shot in in England around the same time. So I was like. He must have been living over there and been the guy that, you know, when they needed an American, they cast him. And so I asked him, he's like, yeah, that's absolutely what it was. And he was in a, he, what else did he say? He said he was in Gandhi and a few other films. Yeah, it was so, it's so funny. I was like, really? <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was, I just had, you know, it was great. He was, what was he doing? Was he, he was there to act? I can't remember. Yeah, he, he was, was explaining this yeah. whatever, but it was just like. He said, thing. did he say he went to school and then just decided to stick around and act? Cause I think that was it. It was easy pickings if he were an American actor at that time. Yeah, so, so anyway, anyway, it was very funny. But he, so. was, he was great and warm and funny and yeah. so hung around and chatted and uh, loved the way his performance turned out. Yeah, so, so I, I giggle every time mm-hmm. uh, he speaks in that episode because yeah. it just, he... <laughs> He has such a distinctive way of speaking. Mm-hmm. So. so at the end of season one, we get to see Rowan ultimately throw the Kyber Saber into lava pit, basically, to get rid of it. It's too powerful. You know, we can't have this type of power. Let's throw it and destroy it. Um, but then ultimately they go back and get it in season two. Was that always the intention that that was going to come back? Or was that something that came up in kind of the writing room as you guys were yes, coming up with season two? The answer is sort of yes and no. Um, we, we knew it would be Solace, and we knew that the fleet was going to be massing over Solace. Right. And we, we, didn't, we weren't sure until we were actually there at the moment of, are we going to bring the Kyber Saber back? Um, there, we, we had some sort of thoughts at the end of season one of like, you gotta, you got to destroy it, and it's got to feel like it's been destroyed. But we also so, had a conversation, though, right. back then of that it shouldn't, uh, originally, wanted, originally, I wanted a big sort of explosion of energy that made mm-hmm. it clear that the the saber was gone, gone. And in conversation with story group and different thing, uh, different people, 
uh, kind of came back. I think even Howard. It, said, it, it was Howard. It was Howard. Uh, Howard Rothman said to us, "You guys want to make you want to leave yourself a back door in case you need it again." And we're like, "Okay, okay, that, that, that's that makes a lot of sense." So we decided that the the lava throwing it in felt like it feels like it's done, but it doesn't have to be done. Right. And we can, you know, and we we resurrect it. We if found we out. To. We you know we found ourselves so grateful that. <laughs> That Howard had Howard that had wisdom. said that to us because he was absolutely right. Yeah, and it was funny, and, and and it also gave us what was one of my favorite moments of he, you know, he he makes it rise out of the lava Reassign. and it reassembles. And it's this very heroic moment until Rowan touches it and it's just too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like taking it, undercutting the moment, you know. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, and then along the same lines, there was another element to the show that I did not see coming and that was Becky Smoochenbacher showing up right when you needed her to show up and was that something that you knew you had to have her in the show or did it come up later in the the production of the show we you know that it was one of those things that I think the first couple times that she was mentioned it was just as a gag yeah right and then we never had any plans to right, and especially uh, never imagined she'd become what she did. Jason Costler at Lego, I think, was the first to say, "Like, are we ever going to meet her?" Like, what you know? And we kept thinking, like, well, I don't know. Is it is it funnier? Is it like in Char- with Charlie Brown, the little redhead girl that for you know a long, long time you didn't see mm-hmm. her? Uh, but then it was also really fun. Then when you finally did, so we thought, well, I don't know. But if we if we reveal her, it's got to be. A really big fun moment, but also sort of fun if you did it when you sort of least are thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and Eugene Bird did an awesome response to that character. <laughs> yeah. So once we decided that that was what we that we were going to actually see her, it made some of the the setup of Becky Smoochenbacher in season two especially fun. You know right. to. Like when to they go to the, the wheel, yeah. he's like, you know, hey man, we come running to Becky Smoochenbacher, you know, and all that sort of stuff. By the time we were finalizing the script for Return to the Wheel, I think we were breaking the story for the finale and knew, like, yeah, yeah so, this is going to pay off. She's going to be. So we'll plant some seeds. Yeah. And we were happy to throw in every reference to Becky we could at that point <laughs> just to sort of reinforce it. Right. No Becky, no Smoochin. Yeah. Becky has the mop. Yes, Becky has the mop. <laughs> yeah. Becky, uh, um, Xander saying, you know, uh, we can, what is it, defeat the Empire, save the universe, or save the galaxy, and uh, get a date with Becky Smoochenbacher? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I might have to save the universe. Yeah. So you guys um, brought a certain alien species into Lego form, which has now been haunting my dreams, <laughs> um, and that would be the the Rainats. Uh-huh. As they climb walls and chase down Roger, and I... Were they? I'm. I'm assuming they were never intentionally created to creep me out. But was that something that you ever thought of that they were creepy, or is that just well, my? No, no. I mean, the... what, at, at the inception of that, we we sat down and said, "What can we do to freak out Aaron?" And yeah, uh, and obviously <laughs> we hit that one, nailed it, knocked it out of the funny. park. See, that is kind of funny because uh, I'm sort of with Jonah on. I kind of thought um, that the Minogs were spookier. Yeah, I, I'm. I think they're spookier. So, I, I find the Ranets kind of cute and adorable, to be honest. But it's funny. But they're the the same species <laughs> as in uh, A New Hope. There's right. a little rat dude at the bar. Right. And so that's the same. 
Which is pretty creepy when you yeah, think it's about creepy, it. But, it's it's kind of But I always thought he was like, it was like, oh, he's so short and kind of. He just wants you know, a drink. Fuzzy. But when you, when you extrapolate what that means, there's <laughs> yeah. a giant rat. I know. The bar. Yeah, it's, and also one rat by itself, kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, in context, like whatever. Yeah, like a dozen rats. Now, mm-hmm. now it's yeah, you. It's creepy. It's not that you don't have a point. It's not that you don't have a point here. No. It's just that the the Minox are far worse. Right, and I, I, you know, I like to think though that we have given really everyone in the audience something to be afraid of. Um, that's right. <laughs> you were the you were the last holdout, Aaron. So that's what we had to do. I mean, for most people, yeah, it's MOC was creepy to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, for. The, the fact that Rowan, I, I really want to jump into this question. I know you guys are going to say, no, we can't answer that. <laughs> but Rowan became Quarry's apprentice. And, you know, so do you think that he'd continue to train with Quarry in, in the whole shipbuilding aspect? Or do, you tr- or do you think he'd continue to train with Luke and using the Force? Um, or do you think that his path is somewhere else completely? Uh, that's a difficult question to answer. Um, so let me hear your fan theory. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to me, yeah, I'd rather hear what you guys think happened rather than what we did. You did you guys hear our fan fiction that we came up with? <laughs> no, no, I, we did. I, we listened. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's it's a question that uh, you know the always in motion. The future is. Yeah, let's let's just leave it at that. That's a good answer. <laughs> that is a good answer. Okay. We, yeah, jo- Jonah and I like the idea of Rowan and Ezra Bridger from Rebels eventually meeting and training under Luke at the new academy, but then getting out of there before Kylo comes in and messes everything up. That's a nice idea. And I will say yeah, that so. it does sort of bum us out that there's the possibility that <laughs> he could have been there when Kylo did his deal. No! I like to think that Rowan at least went out and got sandwiches and wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. But yeah. It's like what where is everybody? What happened? We'll we'll just dance around the specific. How about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the second season also included writer Noel Stevenson that I, I was surprised to see that she was part of it. So and she wrote one of my favorite episodes of the season, which was the Ember Steel Blade. So could you tell us a bit more about how she came to be part of the writing crew? Um, she came through Lucasfilm. Uh, you know, we we uh, wanted to uh, bring in some new blood for the second season. Um, we were super fortunate to get her because she is a crazy busy person. Which is why we only got her for one. Yeah, and <laughs> we would have loved to have had more from her, but she, uh, she, she, her schedule and our schedules just were not lining up in a way that um, could have uh, made that happen. Made it happen. I'll tell you, I actually haven't talked to her, and I don't know if she's as pleased as we were, but um, the notion of bringing in, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the species. Uh, Claudites. Claudites. Claudites, thank you. Oh, yes. uh, she, she is a giant fan of Zam Wessel, and our very first conversation was about how much she thought that character was the key to the entire saga, which endeared her to us uh, right, out, right away. Um, so uh, in the earlier, I think even through Outline, it was not planned to do the Claudite thing. Um, and... Uh, I th- <laughs> We sort of came up with that knowing how much she loved that character of Zam. And uh, 
It yeah, all just so kind of fell like, into place. Like, like, instead of just being a generic prince or trying to pass yeah. her off as a generic princess or something, it's like, well, it's just funny to be like Cordy just plain-faced going, well, I'm a Claudite, you yeah. see. And, I, and I picked up this face on the fly. <laughs> yeah, so all of it just sort of fit kind of perfectly, like, you know, both both within the story and then, you know, here in the real world. I, I hope she was happy to get a right, uh, right, right Claudite stuff because she was definitely a big fan of... Uh, the only Claudite we've ever seen in the uh, in the films, and the fact that she also came up with what uh, was to me the most funny and excruciating moment in the season, which was when uh, Grabala is trying to call the home world and, and is getting on the phone tree. Yeah, and you know, press one, you know, whatever <laughs> that, representative that flew out of her first draft untouched. Oh my gosh! And every time from then on, whenever I've been on a you know hold someplace, and it's I, I'm screaming representative, but in my mind I'm just like Grabala, just going representative. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually had to call a health provider recently that had that same. It didn't have the ransom part where I was holding someone for ransom option, but you know I kept having to say representative. <laughs> 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 Just let us talk to a person. That's all I ask. <laughs> uh, so in the final episode of season two, in during the Endor celebration, um, there's actually a character that looks very much like uh, Shara Bay from the Marvel comics, who is Poe Dameron's mother. Mm-hmm. And like costume, everything just looks dead on. So much so that I was like this has to be this character and i know i tweeted about it, and i think bob you're the one that kind of replied back yeah but yeah. i'd like to actually actually hear you talk a little bit about it on the show how something like that happened boy i i mean it's it's kind of a mystery to me and i haven't i haven't tracked down where it came from um i know that in the script we did not write her in we just wrote you know rebels having we're, we're here at the Endor celebration from the end of Return of the Jedi, rebels everywhere having a great time. We specified, you know, our characters of Valeria and Quarry and, uh, you know, Roger interacting with R2 and 3PO. Um, and then we presumed, you know, that party was bigger than what you saw on screen, so... Because the problem is when you when you call out a new character specifically like that, mm-hmm. it's a new design, right. and, you know, and so from a budgetary standpoint, uh, we tend to not do that unless it's, you know... Unless really, it's necessary. It's necessary, but... The, the people at Wilfilm are huge fans of yeah. all things Star Wars. Somebody somewhere had, because I don't recall seeing that, that design anywhere else in the series, so somebody right. somewhere had to go, I want to see this character in this costume. And um, just did the work necessary to make it yeah, happen. And and I'm, not sure it happen. Who, I'm not sure that it could have been anybody from Jake Blaze at, at Lego to anybody at Wilfilm. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't. I don't have an answer for who had the inspired idea of putting her in there, but I'm sure glad they did. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that's Poe's mother right there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why I, wouldn't I, it? Because we, why wouldn't it be? Because, yeah. but it, but the, it's yeah. also, you know, one of one of the things I like is the fact that, um, you know, Star Wars, especially now, is being made uh, for fans by fans, mm-hmm. and people uh, who are involved in the Star Wars universe are involved with it because they love it. Right. And um, so they want to sort of put in everything they can to plus it. Uh, and, I, and that's been my experience with everyone that we've worked with or interacted with even mm-hmm. on other shows. Uh, across. It's a passion project for everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. So, 
they will go the extra mile, as you can tell every time you, you know, watch Rebels or mm -hmm. see a film, or you can just see that people are pouring their heart and soul into to it. Yeah. And, and Freemakers was no exception. Yep. Yeah. And and w the comment I have, it, it's not so much a question, but I really wanted to thank you guys for whoever made Maynard a girl. And I like I really love the idea of, <laughs> of you know, just a, a little boy and a little girl, same age, just being friends. And you don't really see that often uh, in, in, in storytelling, really. And so uh, I really liked that, that, you know, you had this character who just did not really believe in the force and you obviously have Rowan who is someone who's force sensitive and so you know they became friends and I, I really liked that that character from that episode well that was a fun story to break and and uh boy I don't you know I I don't know if anybody ever I don't I don't think it was ever on the table that Maynard would be a boy I, I think just in the Whoever first blurted out the notion of there's a little yeah. there's a little the Lerman Lerman who doesn't believe in the force. Um, you know, that's the beautiful thing about breaking stories in a in a writer's room is ideas flow fast and furious, and you and you don't know you you lose track of who came up with what and when and where, and and uh, and it doesn't really matter as long as you know the good stuff is floating to the top. Um, and, and I, we'll, we'll credit David yeah. Shane for writing a beautiful script on that one. Right. And, but there was also, uh, you know, we were talking about how one of the things in the, you know, original trilogy mm -hmm. trio uh, dynamic, you have Han Solo who, you know, just doesn't believe, doesn't believe in that. Uh, and there's something about that dynamic when they're all on the Falcon together, uh, having sort of discussion about sort of the force or not the force and, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of, uh, that, there's something about the skeptic role, uh, confronting someone who believes so fervently, who mm -hmm. who feels it in their bones and in their experience, and we also thought it would be fun to sort of flip that of, and then you know what if someone in a religious community essentially is the non-believer right. and it's confronting Rowan who, you know, it finds it like how how can you not believe it's Innocent so, Rowan it's so who obvious is, who is so pure. Right, you know, being confronted with somebody who's got a more cynical point of view, and then you know, <laughs> making it appear uh, made it made it. Um, it felt like it, that made it even more uh, of a twist of a knife to Rowan in a way. Like mm -hmm. if it was an adult saying, "I don't believe in the Force," Rowan could go, "Well, that's just a cynical old jerk." Whatever, moving on. <laughs> um, but that it was somebody who he he goes, you know, this is this is one of me. This is this is my kind of people, a, a kid, and we hadn't seen Rowan really interact with a kid before. Um, right. Yeah, it, it 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 worked out really nicely. Though. Yeah, that was really fun, and I, I just also think it's so beautiful when she comes back with the necklace, mm -hmm. and. Uh, she tells her dad not to worry, you know, mm -hmm. I, I got that. And he's like, you think I was worried about the necklace? And I, I, I just thought that was such a sweet, uh, you know, father-daughter dynamic of... One of the things we kind of wanted to hint at in that episode, um, and, you're, and you're starting to see some of this in, in other um, forms of Star Wars, is that, you know, the Force is a giant thing that, you know, it definitely exists in in the Star Wars universe, but there are different interpretations of how you should interact with it, um, and that it's not just the property of the right. Jedi. Yeah, it it doesn't belong to the Jedi, and it doesn't belong to the Sith. It it 
it's there are different different ways of uh, communing with the force. So Maz talks about yeah. that, and you know, it's, um, and yeah. So we wanted to, you know, there's a religion here that has a completely different interpretation of what you do with the force um, and a, a different relationship than the Jedi have, and and all Rowan knows is sort of. The skewed version he got from Nare. The, so, skewed, yeah. the skewed Jedi Sith version of that. So here's a little Easter egg in the episode that I, I, I always find funny. Originally, that we thought um, how Rowan was going to sort of get the map of to where more crystals <laughs> are, uh, we actually thought was going to come from the crazy grandmother who had a, like a gourd uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing that looks like a, some stupid old gourd, but if you put the crystal underneath it in a dark room, it lights up like a little little planetarium and it right. shows you sort of a map, right? And we all got very excited about that Because we thought that was super cool. Again, Carrie Beck during the story-breaking sessions came down with a nasty case of the flu and she missed that part. <laughs> So. so when we had written that part, she's like, no. <laughs> so Carrie, what we've learned, and, and this is a hint for anybody out there doing work with Lucasfilm Animation, Carrie hates maps. <laughs> she hates maps. If you, if you pull out a map in front of you, in front of her, she tears it up and rips it and throws it back in your face. She doesn't even like it when you're driving. You're, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, she, but... she hates GPS systems. <laughs> uh, she'll punch them through, through your, the dashboard of your car. So she was like, no, I just don't want that. I want it to be more centered on Rowan. I want it to come from Rowan, not some external thing. And that was what her issue was about. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's what was thing. funny is um, Xander has the line where he ad-libs. Or, uh, Xander has the line where you know he says, "Do you have asking, something? Do like you a... have a map, or do you have something?" And in the li- in the and we sort of fed him a little bit that story. So he did his own improv thing about. Yeah, but basically... we, we fed him very little. We, yeah, we fed just like just ask for a, a map or something. And Eugene Bird just went off on this brilliant ad-lib thing that was exactly <laughs> what we had written <laughs> we had written in the earlier drafts of the script that Carrie you know, like you sort of squint and you see it's a, you know yeah. and the, that whole piece where he's just it rambling shines in your eyes but you're gonna be okay it, it's totally what the scene had been and anyway it cracked me up so if you yeah. listen to his rambling there that's what the scene used to look like and maybe that's why Carrie painted it <laughs> <laughs> sounded like a Xander rambling thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it makes me laugh every time yep that's amazing (laughs) for the season finale you guys did something really cool where you you took the freemaker story and you connected it to return of the jedi and really blended it together um what was the research like on that was it just watching that movie over and over and over again well we'd already watched it just as part of growing up over and over and over again but we really had to watch it um Again, so we all as a group. We all as a group watched watched it, it, and then Bill and I separately, as we were working our way through the script, we probably watched the last 40 minutes of it three or four more times just to make sure we had so a we, sequence of events. We, right. I mean, we tracked it out by time code. We were, tra- yeah. you know, we're like, it's this many seconds between this and this, and so if this is happening here, there's we had, this much we had a time. flow sheet of you know where all the little, all the major and all the minor beats of. Uh, that last the Jedi. 40 it, minutes or so. Yeah, and then and then going over it with Leland, too, to mm-hmm. make sure, like, okay, is this right? So is this here and here? And then, well, don't do this here because we're not exactly sure when this happened. So it was a lot of shaping that worked, uh, to make sure that we worked with the canon story. I'll say the, the hardest note I had to give over the entire season was uh, was on that episode, and it ties very much into what you're asking about. It's um, <laughs> It's the moment where the Freemakers contact Valeria 
and we realize this is the moment where the rebel fleet is coming out of uh, out of hyperspace, and um, and and you know it, it ties right into that moment from Return of the Jedi. We're seeing that moment from Valeria's point of view, uh, and poor Michael Kramer wrote a fantastic piece of music for it, and. And it was really good, and we really debated it, but we're like, you know what? No, we need we need that music cue that lets us lets the audience know exactly exactly where we where are. We are. Um, and we had to say to him, Mike, we, you did such a beautiful job. This is a great cue. You have to throw it out, and, and you have to you have to come closer to what the Return of the Jedi thing is. You have to adapt it for your use for our use, but um, we need to have those same notes, those same instruments at this moment, so we know where we are in the movie. Uh, and, you know, he was a trooper and he came back and did a beautiful job with it. But, yeah, so yeah. it was a tough time. I mean, we had we had known for quite a while that that's where the season was going to end up. And, <laughs> and so there was a lot of sort of ramping into that, but the well, actual... That, that was definitely our, our pitch for season two was, from the very beginning was, and we end at Return of the Jedi. We, and we and we even made the joke. We and we call it the Return of the Return of the Jedi. Right, right away, it was that of yeah. all the titles that we fussed over, that one was sort of the stupidest and just plain uh, up there, right. which is funny. <laughs> so it was it was an interesting. And there's even subtle little things that I mean, and man, I love Matt Wood. And one of the things that he did when Rowan is uh, standing there waiting for uh, the Death Star to be blown up and him with it, you hear. Uh, for a moment, it is the sound, the same sound that the Millennium Falcon makes as it's coming into that chamber, but mm-hmm. we, we trick you. So you hear it as an audience, and then we trick you and marry it into the, uh, the Star Scavengers. I, I think uh, that was actually Martin Scove's idea. And he, Matt, and he did. He yeah, Matt, Matt provided the right. Yeah, that's true, right. Martin actually Martin wanted, did. Okay. I remember him asking, can we cheat it this way? I was like, yeah, that's yes. a great idea. So it was great. So you get that false moment of, oh, no, and then, oh, here we are, and then mm-hmm. it comes in. But uh, it was... Story and directing choreography. Uh, it was, it was a balancing act the entire way, and I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. Uh, and there was a, a big discussion. We had we had um, parts in the Emperor's Chamber that we cut back to originally, but mm-hmm. decided that all that uh, was more confusing. And it, it, it was a question of you know, I mean, eventually, it, you know, the, the entire series in a way is designed to be. Um, you know, it's supposed to be for older fans and younger fans. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's undeniable that a certain segment of our audience, this is their very first taste of Star Wars. And we had to say, you know, we had to sort of sit down and discuss with Carrie and, and Josh, Josh Rhymes at, at Lucasfilm, um, you know, how much are we going to reveal of what happens in Return of the Jedi and how much are we, are we going to say, you know, a kid will turn to his parents and say, why is the emperor falling? And that's the perfect cue for Mom, now yeah. you're, now you're taking your step into a, your first steps into a so larger large. world. <laughs> like, um, that's awesome. yeah, I'm going to tell you guys the one joke we weren't allowed. All right, to and do. So, and, yeah. And it, so, and you guys mentioned this on the podcast, like you're like, ah, why did he? So, yeah. It, and this went, this went high up the Lucasfilm ladder and we were told you can't do it guys. Sorry. But um, I'm gonna pitch it out here to you, it, and and we got it all the way through. Animatic. It recorded, yeah, yeah we, we recorded we, it and everything. So it wasn't in in the earlier drafts. It wasn't just that the emperor fell and we saw the emperor falling, uh, falling, falling to his death. He was falling, 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 and then he looks up and sees Rowan and goes, 
Freemaker? And then, boom, he's dead. <laughs> so, that the, so that the Emperor's last words and moment is seeing Rowan and saying, Freemaker? And we but, all laugh. We just thought that was... Oh. And everybody, everybody told us it's very funny, guys, but this is too sacred it, a moment. It just to... it, it breaks... With, it, it messes with canon too too much, right? You know? And and so, I can't disagree. And like, but... okay, but that was a hard one to cut. Like, <laughs> but man, it was really funny. But like, I get it, I get it. So it. <laughs> it would have been funny though if he had mentioned like Reginald or Ricky Freemaker. There was one version where I think he did say Ricky Freemaker. It just went on. It, you know, the timing yeah. of it had to be sort of split. Short. So the yeah. the simple Freemaker, <laughs> right? Which, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. They, it, it, it hurt. It hurt to cut that one, but I think it was they, they made the right call. But um, yeah, at least you guys know now. Yes, so there it is. But secret behind the scenes of the Freemaker Adventures. But you know, it, it's it's right up there with the with the Wampas invading Echo Base. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you see it, and you're like, well, maybe that's maybe we shouldn't do that one. Yep. Oh, and then, okay, so well, one uh, one last question since I know we're coming down to the last couple of minutes here, but uh, it's a very important question. It's, it's something that we all want to know. And, you know, we just want to know, when is From Trenches to Wrenches, the Roger story, going to be published? <laughs> well, I think, uh, I, I think, um, what can we say? I think patience is a virtue. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> You know, always in motion is the future. What else can we say to be evasive here? Right. Uh, but we too would like to see. <laughs> that. We too would like to see more tales of uh, of uh, Roger's life. Let's put it that way. Maybe he's still writing it. <laughs> We've got time if you guys got more. Yeah, if you if you want, uh, or if you want to just be, if you're like, oh please, we just need to get back to our families and we just want a life. <laughs> We had we had, we did have one more question on the list that we can ask uh, if you guys want to give us a bonus question. Sure, I feel like we cheated you on that last one, so so uh, <laughs> hit us with another one. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a fun one to ask. It, it, I didn't expect an answer from it, <laughs> but building with the Kyber saber, or the building with the Kyber crystals and connecting it back to Master Cantu was a detail that really caught us by surprise at least it caught me by surprise and especially since we haven't seen that ability um that rowan has in other parts of the star wars universe so is there is that something that you would like to see play out in another star wars story or is that something that's unique to the world of world of lego i think it's something that's unique to the world of lego but i wouldn't i wouldn't be hurt to see it acknowledged um elsewhere somewhere else in I mean, some it, oblique way, but um, I mean, this was a big d- discussion yeah. um, about this idea of this the special order of the Jedi, this mm-hmm. special discipline that we hadn't yet really seen before, and you know, it's. I, I, but the story group really felt like no, that's that's part of what can happen. You know, yeah. that's part of what happens with the. Um, and it was nice. It helped. You know. Make make Rowan's fat path feel um, unique and individual to him. So he's 
he's not going down the same path Luke is going down. He's not um, going down the same path Ezra is going down. And for that matter, I don't know if Ezra is going down the same path Luke is. But that's that's not a that's neither here nor there. But uh, it's nice that you know, <laughs> our, our character has his own little um, own little journey to go. Right, uh, and that the universe is is bigger, bigger and more varied. Yeah. yeah so uh, I. I don't know, but it you know it was definitely not a just a flippant conversation mm -hmm. uh, to to create the, these force builders. This yeah. was a, a really deep philosophical uh, conversation that we had uh, for a while, for an ongoing one for a while about is is this an order? And I remember even asking sort of like, are are we sure we're saying this? And like, yeah, yeah, we're saying this. I'm like, okay, so you know, nothing. <laughs> Nothing is done without considering what the ramifications are. Um, right. So if it only is a free maker thing, that's fine. If it ripples outward, that's fine too, and mm -hmm. and would be kind of fun too. So. Yeah, that would tickle us. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. I would love to see that happen somewhere else, especially just you know hearing little things here and there, like of what Aaron had said about the wheel showing up on in the Rebels Files book. So that, that would be really cool to see little small references like that in other parts of the universe as well. I, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I would. I mean, you know, it's, it's it would be so fun. I mean, it had for everyone, for Henry and, and Dave Filoni to, you know, to be watching uh, Rogue One and, you know, Hearing uh, Harris, Harris yeah, or, or seeing Jennifer Chopper, Jen yeah. yeah, or seeing the ghost, the ghost yeah. you know, all those sort of things. Like, come on, that's pretty freaking great. So yeah. it, that would be fun to see it live on in other places. You guys have uh, plans for seeing the new movie next week? Well, yes, we do. We have multiple <laughs> plans. Uh, there, there's, uh, there are beyond just having the best job in the world where you get to write the fun, the most fun stories you've ever written and play in this universe. Um, there are also perks of getting invited to special screenings. So, uh, um, so we'll next see Tuesday. with a group of folks who yeah. um, help contribute to the Star Wars universe, which is nice and very exciting. We're very flattered and honored to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we immediately go see it again with our families right. uh, pretty much the next day. <laughs> I believe I have a, a block of 14 tickets uh, at my local theater for, you know, the first official day out. Mm -hmm. um, so my whole I'll family. my family. And yeah. I think we'll be seeing it twice the next weekend. And then I've promised all my nieces and nephews when I visit for Christmas, we'll all be going to see it on Christmas Day. So I've got at least four screenings in my future, if not more. And... You know, this is probably not a surprise to you guys, but that's that's what we call a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Four is just getting, that's just priming the pump. Yeah, that's right. How about you guys? You guys got your tickets already? I have um, a ticket to, I'm going to do one of the opening night um, special fan events. Oh, at, nice. So it's like the 6 p.m. showing. Oh, great. That sounds fun. So I'm going to do that and... Uh, Apparently, there's going to be some giveaways and some special exclusive stuff at those events. So I figured, hey, why not? I'll pay the extra money and see what that's all about. So that's I'll, fantastic. I'll yeah. be among the among some of the earliest to see the movie, but not as early as you guys. Because right. that's you got to see it early, otherwise people spoil things like how Snoke is a porg. 
Yeah. So you don't want to. Oh, no. I can't believe I just said that. Snoke is nothing more than 15 porgs standing wearing a cloak. (laughs) I have the fortune of seeing it at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Thankfully, I was invited to see it with a few other fans and so i'll be doing that on thursday night oh sweet fantastic that's, that's fantastic awesome. news that's great you're a fan that certainly deserves it so absolutely well and again you guys uh thank you for all you've done yeah. um you know supporting the show uh, for both seasons and uh you know being gracious with your time with us and uh with you know, people who like Carrie and other people that you've had on the show. And, and just, spreading the word. Yeah. You guys, um, you guys are great at spreading the word. You're our best evangelists, so we, we really appreciate that. And uh, it, it's We're really... We're happy to do it. it the, the, you know, the trick is you, um, whenever you make creative content, you kind of do it in a, a small, solitary space, and you put it out there, you put your little baby out there, and you hope that uh, people love it. And... Right. Um, but you, you don't know you for don't sure. Know. So yeah. one of the things that we love when we we love listening to your podcast and hearing your well, giggle, Jonah. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> and, and for hearing how you guys have seen it and perceived it, and what resonated with you and what didn't, and there's times where you guys notice things like, oh, yeah, I guess that is that way. <laughs> so it's it's very nice. So thank you for the gift of of that support. Yeah, it's been a delight. Uh, I mean, just podcasting with Aaron has been a very fun experience. And just, you know, just getting back into Lego was was definitely something that I didn't think was going to happen. And it did. <laughs> so thank you for creating such an awesome, awesome show. Oh, great. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. And I guess we should say that to yeah. sign off with May the Force be with you. Don't mess with the Freemakers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and don't mess with the Freemakers. That's right. (laughs) May the Force be with you guys. Thanks. All right. Thank Thank you, you. guys. So that was a fun and amazing conversation with Bob and Bill. I mean, they always drop things that really, as as Freemaker fans, we just love and we just gobble up because it's just cool stuff to know about. Yes. Oh, man. Such Such an awesome conversation. They're always so fun to talk to. And I mean, I know you feel the same way, but man, I really hope for, you know, if not season three of Freemaker Adventures, some more content with these characters, just to give us an excuse to continue to talk about this stuff, you know, and and to to keep talking to those guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And here's hoping maybe we'll see more stories down the line featuring the Freemaker Adventures characters. So uh, anything to be able to talk with Bob and Bill again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and as so, you know, we did this show, Star Scavengers, um, covering season one and season two of Freemaker Adventures and talking a lot of Lego stuff. Um, but as we're kind of waiting for, um, you know, the news, if there's going to be any more content, um, we'll probably put the show on a bit of a break um, and kind of wait for, you know, more of that. But that doesn't mean we won't drop in from time to time. Um, you know, maybe with a, a special episode here and there to talk about like a cool Lego set, or even we may even do like a, a Last Jedi uh, movie review. So you know, you'll hear more from Star Scavengers, but for now, kind of for the long run, uh, we're, we're going to go on a bit of a hiatus. 
Yeah, yeah. And then that's about it, really. And then we'll watch Star Wars Rebels and we'll cry our our eyes out and, yeah, <laughs> and then you'll never do... you actually might not hear from me ever again because yeah. if, if something ever happens to these characters <laughs> i might just become a hermit myself <laughs> and, and then that's it <laughs> we may have to do a special episode of star scavengers just so you and i can have like a counseling session together yes. <laughs> after the finale of star wars rebels i'm i'm totally down for that me too all right <laughs> All right, well, but for now, we will end this episode of Star Scavengers. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, find all of our episodes over there. You can also leave us a review over there. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash starscavengers, Twitter at starscavengers, uh, starscavengers at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. And you can find all of our episodes on our website, www.starscavengers.com. And until next time, be a builder and don't mess with the Freemakers. <laughs> <laughs>